I'm not so sure using chicanery and subterfuge on your daughter is the best way to get her to podcast with you. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the latest episode of Adam and Ben, new and selected podcast about the films of Adam Sandler and Ben Stiller. I am joined today by the former fiance of my wife. He was once a well-regarded financial guy, and he now hangs out meditating in the Middle East with Deepak Chopra. It's Shane. Namaste. As as far as Fokker's trilogy references go, I feel like that one's pretty loose. Like, I feel like anyone yeah. who's listening to this episode um, who hasn't seen these films recently is probably forgetting every element of them outside of the Robert De Niro, Ben Stiller dynamic. I actually remember this dynamic. You did? Yeah. The Owen Wilson stuff? Yeah, I had a very distinct memory of the third one kids party scene for some reason okay i thought that was in the second one i don't know why interesting who knows okay. i don't think he's in the second one at all i can't recall if he is i don't I think, think so. he is on zoom or is that in the third one no, that's the third, third one he's on zoom i'm not sure he is in the second zoom one. zoom really has taken over as a zoom? what else so <sighs> it would have been Skype. 2010 it was Skype. yeah uh i'm not sure if he's in the second one i'm gonna find out in the next few seconds uh he is not in he is in the second one yeah he is kevin raleigh there you go oh he shows up whatever Uh, we we know we know lots about these films we watched them all today executively we watched these films all today in a row and i actually had a headache by the end even though we were only paying like Uh, maybe 20 percent attention to them for a lot of we were both working from home today while these were on simultaneously these are the most background noise films ever made you don't miss a single bit if not you don't a single element of them there are so the narratives are so basic there is really yes. nothing you can miss out on and once you watch the first one you know the beats of the second and third one so yeah, it's yeah exactly like... the third one throws in a few extra elements which i think is needed it's slightly more tolerable than the second yeah. one yeah the second one is like literally... his character shifts from being constantly not anxious, but like constantly on the edge of yeah. fucking shit up to being kind of like, ah, uh, he's an adult now. He's like, yeah, his problems become a bit more sophisticated, I guess. Yeah. Um, we will get more to the third one dynamic, as guess. we tend to do. Yeah. As we tend to do with these trilogies and whatnot, apart from Madagascar, of course, we will try and spend as little time as possible talking about the plots of each of the three films. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll touch upon the actors who pop up in each new film, and then we'll run through the box offices of the three as we get through them. So we'll try and get through them all pretty quickly. These movies aren't that interesting. There's not a lot to say about them. But we did have to do them on the podcast. Yeah. I do feel that they are, in some way, the default Ben Stiller films. I think that for a lot of people, the Ben Stiller... This is his... Well, most persona? well-known character yes i yeah. would say his even though most people could never name the character well you know his name is fokker i guess yeah i guess in a sense you can't game you know what gaylord, gaylord fokker is a well-known yes. name uh, but i think that the, the i'm sure that invaded the culture in 2000 and between 2000 and 2004 like yeah yeah for sure uh but yes i think that the default ben stiller film persona that nine out of ten people who don't think that hard about ben stiller would uh, associate him with is the character in these films and his characters in stuff like the watch and tower heist are variants on this this archetype now i think that uh and i think that that is summed up best by the episode of studio 60 on the sunset strip where simon helberg is doing 
he's, he's demonstrating that he can do a Tom Cruise impression via doing a Ben Stiller impression. Oh, yes. And his Ben Stiller impression, I can't do the voice, but it's something along the lines of like, that's not true, Jack. Uh, something, something, Jack. And there's a lot of like Jack in the in the impression, which is... That's like a trigger word for his impression. It's like, a trigger yeah. word for his impression, which is based on him bickering with Robert De Niro's character yeah. Jack in these movies. So I feel like that... That dynamic with Robert De Niro in these movies does define a lot of people's sense of Ben Stiller. Um, yeah, one of the kind of things he's most recognizable for is doing stupid shit and people not feeling sorry for him. Yes. Whereas I think that's where he differs from Sandler and kind of he's the less sympathetic actor yes. in general. Yes, there's something about him that reeks of like wasp, which is funny because he's obviously, you know, comes from this kind of Jewish uh, comedy background, but... Obviously, his father was a famous comedian as well. But there's something about him that reeks of white waspy privilege. And this this just like you're very, very easily floating through life as this kind of moderately handsome white man mm. that I think Adam Sandler is a bit more... Uh, Adam Sandler was a bit more rough around the edges. Maybe seems a bit more like someone who could have gone in a bad direction in life. Um, and, and you feel sorry for him as this kind of like goofy he's trying his best kind oaf. of thing whereas whereas Stiller you're like Stiller you, you get mad he's not doing better yeah because you're like you had opportunities like and Stiller never I don't know maybe there's something I'm forgetting right now but Stiller very rarely plays like a low class person like yeah. he, he never plays your um your kind of like school janitor tier of person which Sadler has done in stuff like Bedtime Stories. I feel like Stiller is always... I mean, Night of the Museum, he is in hardship, but it's sort of... But it's also like the most doing, popular like. museums in... Yeah, yeah, yeah. What What's his original job in Night of the Museum? He's, is a, well, I don't know. He's, he gets fired at the start, or he, he's out of a job at the he start. He takes up the museum job for some reason. He's desperate. Like, he is, is he a stuff. filmmaker? No, no. I don't know what he does, but he he's definitely like... I feel like he's some sort of artist. He's got it. divorced, and he's struggling for work and he goes to the like you know employment office basically yeah. and his own mother gets him the job in the museum um but i'm trying to see if there's any evidence of what larry daly's initial job is he's oh an inspiring inventor inventor that's it yeah so okay so he's sort of the dick van dyke in chitty chitty bang bang sure. thing where his his imagination has caused him to be impoverished but again a, he obviously had enough money to keep going yeah in a way where you're kind of like, like well you're in, not he lower, lived in new york yeah you're not lower class like so Stiller has a face where you're like ah man you 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 were fine you know you'd be fine you would have got to be fine um and in Meet the Parents, he is a male nurse, mm -hmm. and he is. And that is that is that is that, that is, is the funniest. That's the funniest the thing in the world. These films are very dependent on you thinking it's funny when men do very vaguely effeminate things. Yeah. So being a nurse, uh, talking about anything to do with sex and the human body. Um, yes, there's there's one point he. At the start of the second film, he delivers a child yes. as a male nurse. Yes. And then goes home to his wife to explain it. Yes. And stutters over and then refuses to say the word vagina. Yes. Or And, and he presumably yeah. says this like 25 times a day in work. Yes. So it's 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 a medical term to him. Yes, the film is 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 somewhat unrealistically forcing this mm. notion that he is as disgusted by this side of language as and he's the, the audience who should be least disgusted at yeah exactly um so the character's name is gaylord fokker but obviously he goes by greg mm -hmm. um there are lots of gay panic jokes in these films the third one has a five to ten minute scene of <laughs> fucking laura dern mistaking him and de niro for a gay couple and this goes on for ages 
And like, I feel like the Robert De Niro attitude to the Ben Stiller character in these films is first and foremost, you're a fucking pansy. You're, you're not, not a real doctor. You're not a real. You're not a real man. You're not yeah. a real doctor. What are you? A male nurse called Gaylord Fokker? Why is my wife marrying this gay guy? Yeah. Like, there's this real sense of like macho hostility there. And then secondary is the uh, is the fact that he's like an, a bumbling idiot. That he's he's untrustworthy. All the things that are more that would be more interesting for the film to dig into in their dynamic, but that the film constantly gets distracted with. Ah, yeah, but like. He's he's he, he's he's a bit effeminate, like yeah. I don't know, and like the film isn't necessarily always mocking him for that, but it, the notion is that Robert De Niro's main focus is you're not enough of a man. Where the Robert De Niro character is an interesting guy; he's a retired CIA agent, yeah. and I feel like his attitude to Greg could be um, his hostility to Greg could be explored in more in more complex terms if the film was interested in it. But it kind of just jumps to constantly like, ha ha, he did this thing that was vaguely... Like he's very of... into his American exceptionalism and all that yes, yes, yes. usual yeah. macho um, nonsense. But... The third one almost does a more interesting thing with the relationship, only in the sense that it establishes this godfucker gag. Yeah, I think it, I think it grows out of the weird. Yeah. Because there's... They've reached a point in the third one where there is like a level of respect between De Niro yes, and Yes, yes, yes. And they, the character. third one, they are more allies than they are in the first yes. two films. Um, they like to hang out. Yeah. Like. They, they have to because you can't really, you have to establish that equilibrium. You can't continue the gag of the first film for three films. It completely switches actually and that the new gag is that he's too masculine and that yes. he is too thirsty for the attractive woman that appears in his life yes and yes, that yes. is the problem and that they, they, it stops the problem stops being that he loves his wife too much yeah the, the problem becomes that he's 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 a woman potentially going to get into an yeah. affair with um uh jessica alba but yeah. we'll get to little fuckers sure so meet the parents uh is directed by jay roach who we have never discussed on this podcast no nope. and jay roach has a really interesting filmography jay roach is is this director who is a director who I would never in a million years, if you asked me to name 100 American film directors, Jay Roach would not come to mind. Mm-hmm. And yet I have seen all of his films and I have a letterbox list of Jay Roach films ranked because why not? I've seen them all. And you know what? Brendan does as well. So wait, J- this is the thing you did today. No, I did this months like a year ago. And you've completely forgotten his name. No, I haven't forgotten his name. I'm not saying I don't know his name. I'm just all saying right. that he's never a director I would think of as existing but these are his films um for 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 theatrical films we've got austin powers international man of mystery austin powers the spy who shagged me meet the parents austin powers and gold member meet the fuckers dinner for schmucks the campaign trombo and bombshell Mm -hmm. and then on hbo he has directed um episodes of of the brink and high desert um on apple and he's also directed the tv movies recount game change all the way and coastal elites yeah i have seen one two three Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve films by this guy, which I would, I would, I, puts him in my top directors on Letterboxd, which is really bizarre. Yeah. Um, guy makes watchable material. He makes stuff that is worth, is worth trying, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Like, he's got this interesting dual career where he also produced Borat and Fifty First Dates and, and Bruno. He's an interesting guy in the sense that he, I'm, oh, I'm, Actually, realizing he didn't direct Little Fockers. Um, but he he's an interesting guy in the sense that he he has these two careers. His film career is these stupid comedies like mm-hmm. Austin Powers and Meet the Parents. And then his like TV career is 
Recount, which is the HBO movie about the Florida recount in 2000. Yeah. And Game Change, which is the HBO movie about Sarah Palin. And All the Way, which is a HBO movie about Brian Cranston, where Brian Cranston plays Lyndon B. Johnson, which I watched the week before my Leaving Cert exams to refresh my memory of Lyndon B. Johnson for an essay I had to write. So thank you. It did. So thank you, Jay Roach, for helping me out. Um, So he kind of like has a political edge to him and he has a stupid edge. And then he kind of merged the two when he did the campaign and Bombshell. He did the campaign. He did the campaign. He did Bombshell. None of those are terrible films. Like his worst film is Austin Powers' gold member, I would say. I think Dinner for Schmucks is quite enjoyable. Have you seen Dinner for Schmucks? I have, but not... Yeah, Steve Carell. Yeah, Steve Carell and plays the, like, doofus and the dopey guy. Yeah. And he's obsessed with little figurines and the Beatles. Yes, and yes. It's, it's, easily, it's, okay. it's easy to confuse Dinner for Schmucks and Welcome to Marwin. They're head. very similar because Steve Carell has little figurines in both yeah, and yeah. he's playing a guy with the Sometimes I forget man. that is actually what Dinner for Schmucks is about. Yeah, Dinner for Schmucks is a lot more watchable. What is it? Everyone has to bring like an idiot friend and they all yeah, make fun yeah, of them. Yeah. Yeah. And Chris O'Dowd's in it, Jermaine Clement is in it. And then the campaign, I remember nothing about. I remember being a bit shit. I've seen this twice and I wasn't crazy. And I, yeah. I, I think the Galifianakis thing wore off very quickly. By the time the campaign came out, I'd had enough of his thing. Because we'd had due date, we'd had two hangovers. I have very little time for Will Ferrell. Even like Ferrell. I find they're both kind of guys that should be the third guy in every movie. Yeah. Um. Whereas you put the two of them as leads, they're both kind of sure. He's doing like, his like yeah, he, they're doing their bits. Like you call you fucking Brian Cox is in that. Uh, Will Ferrell is doing his George Bush impression in that film, and you almost yeah. wish they just made Vice then and there, like. A shit version of Vice. Mm. Jay Roach is, in some regards, a better... Uh, sorry, in all regards, a better political, satirical filmmaker than Adam McKay. But Adam McKay would drop dead if you said that to his face. <laughs> that Jay Roach makes better political films than Adam McKay does. Like, Game Change is grand. Game Change I have seen four or five times. Yeah. And I find immensely watchable. Yeah. I really like it. Now, a lot of that's down to great Ed Harris, Woody Harrelson, uh, Julianne Moore. And I think that um, Recount is a lot of fun. Have you ever seen Recount? No, I haven't. Oh, man, the cast of Recount is amazing. So uh, Biden's White House Chief of Staff, Ron Klain, is the main character, played by Kevin Spacey. Mm -hmm. And then we have John Hurt, Laura Dern, Tom Wilkinson, Dennis Leary, Bob Balaban, Ed Begley Jr., um, and uh, Bruce McGill. Very, very nice cast. Very entertaining film. Uh, and then he did the he did Trumbo, mm-hmm. which is the movie about uh, that's the, a Brian Cranston thing. Yeah, that's yeah. about the screenwriter of Spartacus, who was yes. on the Hollywood blacklist. And it has a really fun cast. Uh, you have uh, Louis C.K. as Arlen Hurd, uh, Michael Stuhlbarg as Edward G. Robinson, John Goodman as Frank King, mm-hmm. Alan Tudyk as Ian McKellen Hunter, um, uh, Dean Gorman as Kirk Douglas. It's not a great film, but it's full of uh, it's full of fun little cameos yeah. and old Hollywood stuff. It features the famous scene where uh, Brian Cranston uh, has a typewriter in mm. the bathtub, and he has his own Brian Cranston's only Oscar nomination. Uh, and then Bombshell is I feel like his work is vaguely newsroomy. It is vaguely newsroomy. I mean, he's a HBO guy in he's one foot in the HBO. Yeah, bucket, and I feel like his his ideas overlap with Aaron Sorkin, but he's just in a slightly more generic yeah, and that he'll way. Such, like real events, kind yeah. Of thing. yeah. Uh, I wonder what Aaron Sorkin thinks of Jay Roach. Um, Bombshell, I thought was not terrible. Um, it is about the Megyn Kelly, Fox News, Donald Trump sort of stuff. And Megyn Kelly still on TV? Or is uh, this... She's on a weird conservative channel now. Ah, okay, so no, uh, I don't think so. Not in and 
Margot Robbie is... It is the only Margot Robbie performance that I, capital L, like. Okay. And she's really good in it. Um, but it also has uh, a lot... You know, Jay Roach enjoys dressing people up in makeup as famous political characters. He thinks it's a lot of fun. I think it's a lot of fun, and too. I agree. It is. And in Bombshell, he casts John Lithgow as Roger Ailes. He casts Malcolm McDowell as Rupert Murdoch. Uh, he casts Alison Janney as Susan, Susan Estridge. Um... And he casts uh, Richard Kind as Rudy Giuliani. Oh, really? Which is a wonderful gift. Oh, wow. uh, A wonderful gift to the world. Do you need permission from living people to portray them in films? You certainly do not. You certainly do not. You can't, you can't libel them, but you don't need their permission to okay. them. No. Um, there's complex legality around it, I imagine, but you... Like, the script probably has to be reviewed by lawyers. By lawyers, but not by their lawyers. Yeah, but by, by, by lawyers. Yeah. Yes, but no, I mean, Vice was not a film approved by Dick Cheney. So, oh, sure. Yeah, like if you think about it from that perspective. Yeah. Um, Jay Roach directed Meet the Parents, uh, which is written by Jim Hertzfeld and John Hamburg. And these are guys that I think still are probably had a relationship with. It is in fact a remake of a film, uh, of an independent film that came out uh, in 1992, directed by Greg Gliena called Meet the Parents. Uh, about a man who meets his father, his father-in-law, and gets into a number of mishaps, and they basically bought the rights to remake it, and they remade it, and no one's ever seen the original. So, did the name come from the original? He, the original is called Meet the Parents, but I think Meet the Parents is a pretty common. Oh, sure, but did the the Fokker element? Oh, come the from... Fokker element. Yeah. Sorry. Oh no, no, no! I don't think so. The main character in the original is called First Customer. Okay, I don't know. Greg. It's oh no, his name is Greg. Okay. Sorry, yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's a funny premise to buy because it's and so Burns, simple. Yeah, pa- Pam Burns and Greg, yeah. That's interesting. So the Fokker they, they came up with, but the rest of it they, they took. But it's back. a funny thing to have to buy the rights to because it's such a simple story. Meet the parents. I think they brought the rights to the title more than anything. Maybe, yeah. And the Burns character and a couple of the little mishaps sound pretty similar. Okay. Like yeah. the film's kind of structure is based off of it. Right, right. Um, so was it a short film or just an independent it is feature? a independent feature 76 okay. minutes long budget 100 grand maybe we should have watched that before we did this podcast we should have that would have been fun yeah it would have been better watching the three real movies um, maybe not yeah so uh, I don't want to talk about the plot of these films that much meet the parents basically um, Robert De Niro sort of in his first this was sort of Robert De Niro's introduction to sort of you know straight comedy so yeah. like up to this maybe I'm wrong but up to this I think like the, the most comedy he'd done was like Jackie Brown, you know, like these kinds of light, light kind of silly characters, silly like, characters. Yeah. But this is obviously pure comedy for him, and they obviously really sold this film on the idea of what if Robert De Niro, this incredibly intimidating actor, scary guy, yeah. tough guy, was your father-in-law? Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's a that's, that's a, a fun premise. Fun premise. He's a scary actor. Everyone knows who he is, and he's 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 your father-in-law, and that's a that's a scary situation. So the film does its most with that. He does a lie detector test on ja- on Greg. I think the idea that he's a CIA guy is the best thing about these films. It's it's a really good idea. I think they should do more with that, um, but it is good. Um, and then they basically just hang out in his house for a few days, and Greg keeps like breaking things and destroying things, and that's the film. And at the end of it, he's like, "I think I it functions perfectly well. It's fine, fine three star um, on in the background film. None of the dialogue really lasts. No." Like they they expand kind of the same three jokes the yeah. entire time. Yeah, just like I'm watching you. Points his fingers at his eyes. Yeah. points across at you. There's shit with the cat. 
Um, oh, but not even not even that. I just yeah. mean it's the verbal jokes are sure your name, your yes. job, yes, and whatever weird mm-hmm. De Niro Italianisms or not, sure, or sure. whatever like. But although weirdly he's playing Irish in this, uh, Jack Burns. Although as we established, Burns B Y R N E S is a name that neither of us have ever encountered in this country or anywhere else. So. I'll have to look into it. I, I pro- just don't I'd... know anyone called Burns with an S. It's really weird. I feel like that's a Leinster rugby player's name. Yes. Might have to correct me in there. Maybe. Um, also in this film, we got uh, Blythe Danner plays the mother, Jack's wife. Mm-hmm. And then Terry Polo plays Pam, the wife. Um, she is a very charming actress. She plays the Jimmy Smith's character's uh, wife on The West Wing. And... That's pretty much all I've ever seen her in. She's mm-hmm. in an episode of Curb. That's pretty good. And that's pretty much all I've ever seen her in. But she's good. And then uh, Academy Award winner Tom McCarthy yes. plays the brother-in-law. And he comes back in the third one. Um, weird to see him pop up in this. But always not, always glad to see him. Uh, this is the man, of course, who uh, directed the 2016 Best Picture winning film Spotlight. Um, along with a series of other good films. Um, and then Owen Wilson is in this we mentioned earlier plays this like former fiance of pam who's, who's now just a, perfect in every way yeah wealthy stock investor and a carpenter and that's everything about the first movie that i have to say uh the, yes well the premise i guess is that pam's sister is getting married to tom mccarthy yes and that's why they're all in the house sure 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 so um which perfectly sets up for a sequel where ben and your one have to get married so yeah. we have that perfectly set up uh this film came out october 6th 2000 Budget fifty five million, total gross three hundred and thirty million. Incredible. Do you have the box office? I'm uh, pulling it up right now. I didn't expect you to come at me with that. Well, I have nothing else to say about the film. I'm ready to go whenever. All right, what have we got? Do you think this opened number one? October two thousand. Do I think this opened number one? Yes, I do. It did indeed to twenty eight point six million dollars. Good stuff. Good stuff. Not crazy, but maybe at the I time. Mean, the Jennifer Lawrence movie opened to like what fifteen last week, so that's actually not that great. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, fifteen. I thought these would be hitting forty anyway, because it fucking ended up making three hundred and something worldwide. So like, yeah. Anyway, gross total. Did open number one. I thought these box office usually used to give all time. I don't know. Doesn't seem to anyway anymore. Yeah. Anyway, knows? next up is a sports movie. Uh, have I heard of it? Yeah, Dizzy's the kid. No, no, that's not a sports movie. Uh, the rookie, the something. What's the sport? It's I'm football. To, uh, remember the Titans. Yeah, that's the one. All right, well done. That was a total guess. That's that feels like a movie from two thousand. Is that a Denzel? It isn't Denzel. It, it is a Denzel. Uh, yeah, I don't think you're ever gonna get me to watch that. that sounds... I see clips of it on TikTok. It's one of those films yeah. where like Denzel that gives sounds a boring. That sounds real boring. But yeah, you couldn't have Denzel go through his whole career without playing an inspirational sports manager. Mm-hmm. This is next up. Yeah, is a film I've never heard of. You've not watched. All right, nobody I follow on Letterboxd. Then let's just tell me what it is. It's a Sylvester Stallone film where he is in the poster holding a gun. I I don't know. I give up. This is called Get Carter. Oh, that's a remake of a Michael Caine movie. It is the other one popped up. Here. Yeah, that's a he very weird casting. You wouldn't think. You'd think, oh yeah, like Jude Law can do that. You wouldn't think that is strange. Sylvester Stallone playing a, yeah, very weird. Anyway, next up, yep, horror movie, big, well-known franchise. I think is it a Scream? No. Is it uh... the Pope's? The Pope was in it recently. 
so it's it's an exorcist of some kind it's the exorcist is it rot is it the original re-released or something there's no i don't think there's a 2000 remake of the exorcist is it just the original maybe out again i'm not seeing any 2000 releases on i guess so they must have just put it back in. it's just called the exorcist yeah they put it back in the cinema for halloween probably okay fair enough very possibly great next up let's just go to five we have three of these to get through next one is a kids toy Uh, that probably stemmed from this ip that maybe is like pokemon adjacent pokemon adjacent Yu-Gi-Oh! no the other one the other one i don't know the other one it's not pokemon it's not Yu-Gi-Oh! digimon digimon there's a digimon movie digimon the movie what the hell i didn't know that existed had four million in the first week wow well done uh next up is a film i think you like uh have i reviewed it on there yeah i'll call out your review good stuff people people enjoy that the feedback on that is always great yeah everyone everyone loves it everyone loves it it's a fun it's a fun way to go about things yeah i'm a bit slow today i think if you had a laptop this would be oh faster. this is this is a five star this is a five star this is a five star mi- i'm no. gonna i'm gonna go ahead and assume this is a little film called almost famous ah you ruined the game I was going to read out the inter- uh, your. It's the only five star film from that year. I think this film is just absolutely lovely, and it's grown <laughs> on me. I feel like I'm still the kid, con- this kid, consumed with bewilderment at the behavior of adults around me. Everyone just at the top of their game, and the pacing, editing, use of songs is flawless. Jimmy Fallon, dare I say, is really good in this movie. Yeah, he is. Yeah, almost famous. Yeah, that's like that's the only five star. You film watch this with year. possibly friend of the show, but maybe not Joe. He's never been on the show. He's a friend of the show. Yeah, a friend of us. Yeah, Joe. Uh, Any friend of us is a friend of the show. Yeah, what is he, Joe? What is me and Joe want to see that in the lighthouse there yeah. three years ago? I wonder if he listens. I uh, don't think so. Um, yeah, sorry. There's another five-star <laughs> film that year, which is Thomas and the Magic Railroad, which I uh, the first film I ever saw in the cinema a few weeks before this came out, actually. September 2000. Not seen it on the list here, unfortunately. Yeah, that's fine. Maybe it came out a week after. Earlier in America, I'd say. Ah, okay. Yeah, it probably came out in like May in America. All right, well, is that the top five? There we go. Cool. So we skip forward to 2004. Jay Roach returns for Meet the Fockers. I remember distinctly being an extra vision in Galway and seeing the poster for this and saying to my parents, "What? Why is the film called Meet the Fucker? What fuckers? What is that? Is that meant to be fuckers?" And then being like, "Well, I guess that's his name, and that's the joke is that it sounds like fucker, mm-hmm. and that's the joke." Uh, so Meet the Fockers um what what's your memories of seeing these films for the first time i saw this one first and it was on bbc3 on a weeknight in the summer Mm -hmm. when i was like 12 or something and my parents were like oh meet the fuckers is on do you want to watch that you you haven't seen that have you it's pretty funny and i was like yeah sure i feel like my parents have a high tolerance for these films because they have robert de niro dustin hoffman robert streisand in them Mm -hmm. so they were like yeah sure watch that and i was like this is this is hilarious this is a comedy where they talk about sex so i'm instantly this is a five-star film because i never get to watch stuff like this Mm -hmm. and that's my relationship with these films pretty similar to something about mary and anchorman and stepbrothers of just like haha i'm allowed to watch this slightly younger than i am other stuff yeah yeah uh for me i feel like these are films that you're kind of just born with inherent knowledge of 
Oh, good. You don't, you don't see... The, the Bible, Casablanca, Gone with the Wind, Meet the Fuckers. Yeah. Fantastic. You just, you hit a point at 14 when you're like, I've never sat down and watched Meet the Fuckers, but I know what happens in Meet the Fuckers. Of course. You just slowly piece together five minutes at a time because they're just... Because they're on TV They're so perpetually much. on TV. Yeah. You know, the name is so kind of... Memorable. Iconic. Yeah, I know, yeah iconic. it is. I think yeah. Fockers is, is a very iconic name. Yeah. yeah. For the period, it's like... But the weird thing about them is, like, if you were, like, born into the earth today and you, you were shown these out of context and you didn't know who any of the actors were, you'd be like, oh, a terrible French film. Like, every, <laughs> I feel like I feel like the poster, meet, meet the, meet the poster and the meet the fuckers just screams, like, stupid French comedy that Daddy Boo would be in. And you'd be like, what is this? Meet the fuckers? What would would, would TikTok kids today like this what film? It's ne- it never met a resurgence no, on. They would in the memes. They like wouldn't. there's nothing funny in this for kids. Like Anchorman and Step Brothers have actually hilarious jokes in them. This These doesn't. don't have any funny jokes. No, they're they're there's some chuckles. You know, we were kind of chuckling here and there. Oh, the, chicanery and subterfuge. Is like chicanery the and subterfuge and some of the erection jokes in the third one are kind of funny. But like the the the, the jokes in these films are not laugh out loud funny like, they're not things you're going to repeat to people. you are not yet and you know what i said jay roach does certain things better than adam mckay but adam mckay writes better jokes because his films are a lot more memorable yeah um no these are these films coast off of good casts and good vibes much more than they do being actually good comedies because they're really not that funny yeah you'd like for me watching these again even though i haven't never really seen them yeah in full I learned nothing new by watching them that yeah. I kind of didn't already know just from like understanding yeah. of what Ben Stiller is. Fair. So Meet the Fokker is weirdly produced by Robert De Niro, one of three producers okay. on it. He was really uh, into this. He must have been really into this and he wanted to be more involved. So the, the the joke of the second one is that now we get to meet Ben Stiller's parents. Yeah. And who are the two most famous Jewish actors of the right age who could play wacky characters? It's Academy Award winners, Dustin Hoffman and Barbara Streisand, which is, to be fair, a fantastic casting oh, coup. I mean, fantastic. Hoffman does a lot of stuff around this time. But getting Barbara Streisand in your movie is just sort of a triple A plus, like, well done. You had a big hit. You have a lot of money. And you get one of one of the greatest movie stars ever. And it's great. Um, and they fit they're perfect for they perfect they they fit and this film gets away with its terrible script by having these two fantastic comedians and they work uh, well together. thrown into the mix they work well together as a couple they have fun dynamics with stiller and de niro and it's all very fun so they basically play mr and mrs fokker mm-hmm. um and they are she's a sort of a sex therapist and she writes books and she does classes and he's just kind of like fucking vibing around wearing a fucking yeah. horns outside wearing a bright pink fucking hawaiian shirt and of course this is threatening to jack burns because jack burns doesn't like when men wear bright colors because he's a serious man of the law this this film completely mirrors the first in pretty it's much every same sense. it's like just, just a reverse well it's yeah. almost just that they just like well he's gotten over the inherent flaws with uh, Greg. Yeah. So now we have to just like add something to Greg that'll piss him off. Yeah. That is the parents. Which is basically the same issues he had with Greg and always learn to deal They're with them again. They're just two other people. Yeah. yeah. Um, but like the, it takes all the same beats. It's got a yeah. little animal. It's got like... It's fine. Whatever. Nothing interesting happens in this whatsoever. What, what is the main... <laughs> I don't know. They got the RV. There's an RV, the yes. They're, they have prop. to try... They have to try... They do a bit of traveling. So yeah. there's an RV. It's... They go to visit the Fockers, so 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 De Niro is 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 a fish out of water because he's out in this weird 
house that they live in and he's out away from home and he yeah, doesn't have his little Florida secret little lair and he jungle he, cabin yeah whatever. he doesn't have his stuff with him so he's he's a bit freaked out um bit of a bit of a prude you know yeah i really don't have much to say about this one uh i'm, I'm... so the weird thing about this film is that it is one of the highest grossing comedies in the history of cinema yeah um, I'm going to find out a list of the highest grossing comedy movies ever. Um, but I, I, I feel like this is on the list. Um, so I'm looking at this and I'm trying to mentally eliminate, uh, animation. Okay. Do you have the list? I have the list of the highest grossing comedies, but there's a lot is of hangover animation. still. There's a lot of animation on here. So give me a sec. Okay. Uh, there's also some Chinese stuff on here, so I'm gonna I'm gonna just like quickly brush over the Chinese films. We have Hi Mom, uh, Deadpool two, and Deadpool. I'm not counting. They are superhero films. They're not comedies. Fair um, enough. Then we have Detective Chinatown three, which is Chinese. Men in Black three is a science fiction film that is not a um, that is not a comedy in my opinion. Um, and then we have The Hangover Part two. So The Hangover Part two is is effectively the highest grossing. Live action, yeah. comedy, comedy of all time, $586 million. Ted made $549 million. Delightful. And right behind it, on its tail, Meet the Fockers with $522 million. Mm-hmm. Now, we're talking there about <clears throat> big, crazy, fucking summer comedy where... I mean, you know, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to make The Hangover 2 sound like an obvious hit, and I can't. It is, an, it is a weird one to have made that much money. I'm trying to make it sound like of an inevitability. The first one was just a weird... Maybe it just filled the gap at the time. It just... It ticks boxes of male behavioral stuff. Bit of misogyny. Bit of racism. I think it timed up with the initial kind of wave of internet meme popularity. Yes, where it, it was yes. quotable. It had... It was quotable. I think um, it tied in enough with like SNL humor at the time. Yeah. Late night TV. Yeah. The Ken Jong, wacky characters. These guys just worked. Ed Helms was on the office at the time. You just got the right demographic of people going to see it. Yeah. Um, the second one is a very flashy film. It is, it is, it, they go to Bangkok. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to get a ton of nudity, drugs, you you understand why people would flock to see it if they were into that sort of thing. Yeah. Ted is kind of a science fiction film, given that the main character is a CGI animated creature. And or, then you have Meet the Fockers, a movie where two families hang out for a weekend. Which and is it, kind of your traditional comedy ha- setup. Yeah, it is like the most default comedy film. It may as well have Jimmy Stewart and Cary Grant. And yeah, those. exactly. That's how traditional it is. Half a billion dollars. More money than Toy Story 2, Shrek, The Lego Movie, Men in Black 2. These are just films that are on Something this interesting here list. I'm seeing is that this made more money in the US than the rest of the world. Uh, that's I, not that uncommon. Even for... I I was thought the no, bigger hits would skew comedies, the other way. Comedies, that would always be the case. Yeah, I think it was like 270 Comedy domestic, 230 yeah. in the rest of the world. That's that, that makes sense. Comedy okay. doesn't play as well outside of America because right, these right. stars aren't known in a lot of the world and the jokes don't land. Like, sure, the fucking Fockers joke doesn't work in half the world. Yeah, because they don't say fuck. The well. selling point of the film is a pun title, yes. fucker, fucker. In countries where you don't say fuck, you'd have to call them like a pun version of the local swear word. Yeah. You'd have to find the local word for fuck and then find a pun on that 
make that their name. And you would have had the thought of it when the first movie came out, wouldn't you? Yeah. Uh, I'd say, I would tell you in a lot of countries, this is probably called Meet the Parents 2. <laughs> countries where the Fockers thing doesn't yeah. work, you know? Uh, I will say the next two highest grossing comedies after this are the French film Les Intouchables mm-hmm. and Bruce Almighty. But again, Bruce Almighty, Bruce Almighty. Is, a, is a science fiction film. It has... But it it's the Jim Carrey vehicle, CGI like, so that kind of like, makes it a... And then, uh, that and then Home Alone, almost half a billion. Um, and then The First Hangover, and then Mrs. Doubtfire, inexplicably 441 Bizarre. million. Insane, but Robin Williams, the peak of Robin Williams' success. And again, similar to Ted, a very easy concept to explain. Oh, Robin Williams dresses up as a woman in disguise. There you go. A terrifying film. All of these films can very well be described by their titles. Yeah, they yeah, yeah they can. Even Ted, to a certain extent. Ted, yeah, The Hangover, the obviously hangover. in France, known as parents. a very bad trip because they don't know they don't know what a hangover is. <laughs> I know. Um, I'm gonna look up Meet the Parents international, international titles. I want to know what it's called. Or or wait, wait, is the second one the more interesting? Yeah, one Little Fockers international. Yeah, I want to know what Meet the Fockers is called. Meet the Fockers internationally. So, in Argentina, it was called Los Fockers. Okay, the Spaniards. Um, Spanish get it. In, in Belgium, it was called... Wait, I'm more, more interested in France than Belgium. Okay, in France, the film is called... <clears throat> Mon beau-père, mes parents et moi. My stepdad, my father-in-law, my parents and me. Ugh. I am going to guess that the first one is called My, my Father-in-law and Me. Yeah. So the second one is my father-in-law, my parents, and me. Makes sense. And that's the progression of the title. They're just operating in a totally different space. They just don't care. Uh, in Czech Republic, it's called Jeho Fotter Toje Lotter. That rhymes at least. Oh, we got to find out what that means. Sorry, guys. We got to find out Fotter, what that means. probably father. Czech to English translation. His photo is a rogue. What? What? I put one wrong word in there, I think. Oh, sorry, guys. It's no, never this fun. is it's never fun to listen to people googling things, but you know. Well, do you want me to hold the mic to the keyboard so, it so everyone can listen to it more? Detect language, English. Uh, his photo his is his a rogue. father is a rogue. I his guess. photo that's a rogue. We're never gonna figure that no, one out. No, not a clue. Um, he's got I, uh, <laughs> Israel. Meet the Fockers in Italy. It's called Mi Presenti a Tuo. Uh, in Lithuania, it's called Paskutinis Usvi Ishpandimas. And in Mexico, it's called Los Fakers, La Familia de Mi Esposo. And in Spain, it is called Los Padres da El. I'm going to receive a message His from parents. Brendan any minute yeah. telling me what that means or why it's called that and what the progression of the titles is. Los Padres do they el it's like their parents yeah. or his parents we should have done this the entire way through the podcast like every episode yeah what other good ones would this have been like a, well, I don't know, we'll figure it out yeah. we'll do it on our last episode it's a, i feel like this is a fun thing to do is like foreign titles we never yes. thought to do it yes. before no yeah um seeing how foreign people perceive english-speaking culture is always funny yeah um i have so, a i have a big russian mission impossible ghost protocol indeed, fo- yeah. poster in my room uh so that's meet the fuckers uh, one of the most successful films ever. <laughs> $522 million. Just insane. And then weird that it took them six years to make another one. That is strange. And the, and the third one kind of came out with a bit of a whimper. Was, did not make a big impact. It sounds like it. Did, People forgot that it was made. Like, if they know, met it three years earlier, would it have I think been if a it bigger came out hit? I think in 2006, it would have been a bigger hit. 
I think it needed to come out in like a pre Borat world. Something shifted there. Something shifted. The, well, when I guess the internet came in. Borat, the internet, Iron Over, kind of like just a meme few, irony. Yeah, I think that like soft comedies like this and Fifty First Dates, just kind of like romantic ish kind of silly comedies, just kind of died out. I think we identified in one of the earlier episodes. Need to be louder. Shift from yeah. TV slash stand-up guys writing yes. movies to yes online skit guys starting yeah, writing movies yeah, yeah, or like yeah, that for being sure. thing. I think that made a difference. Yeah, this is really a film written by guys who were like working on TV in the eighties, and I feel like they lost control of the film industry after Maybe. like two thousand and five, two thousand six. It is an interesting one. Um, get that box office up, buddy. Get the box we're, we're, office we're up. done. We're done with the second movie. Are we? Yeah, that's something else to say. About uh, it. There was no. We met the fuckers, and they yeah. had nothing else to talk about. So this is a Christmas. I remember the plot, this is a Christmas release, December twenty second, two thousand four. Next up is a film I know you like. Uh, this is like the peak. This is one of the greatest like two month periods in the history of cinema, in my opinion. Like most of the films out at the this weekend are my among my favorite films. This is another five star. Yeah. So number two. So is, do you want, do you want this, me to read wait, your wait. review first? Is this number one? This is number two. I know what number one is. Number one is Meet the Fockers. Sorry, this is number one. Oh, yeah. Meet the Fockers is number oh, one. Oh, sorry. I thought you were... Sorry. No, yeah, sorry. Yeah. The film I know what number two is. Yeah, I know what it is. Do you want to give me the 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 first letter of the first word? L. Yeah, I'll read I know it. what the film is. I know. I just want to read... I like I know, reading I know your, its release date by heart. Yeah, I like yeah. Read reading out the review. Yeah, let the listeners guess. Okay. Terrific, inventive, moving, grimly hilarious family film. That will never be recaptured. Yeah. Carey at his best. Yeah. It was a joy to watch with this with people who had no knowledge of Snicket. Yeah. It's Celebrity Snicket's a series of unfortunate events. Yeah. It's a fucking amazing movie. Brad Silberling, Jim Carrey. You have a fun poster on Letterboxd for this. Yeah. It's a really good one. It's like a Belgian flag. Giant fucking Olaf face. Yeah. Great, great, great film. Um, Someone in work said something, said that it was shit. It's a couple weeks ago, and I was like, "Excuse you, was just scared of it?" Uh, I don't know. I think people haven't seen it in years. Fantastic film, great, great score. Thomas Newman, wonderful. Okay, the next one's a weird one. Yeah, because it has no name. It has no name. There's no name on box office website. Oh, it just says N blank, and then what? Doesn't give us distributor. Do you know what it is? No. Oh, you can't tell what it is. I thought maybe you just know off the top of your head. It's probably National Treasure, but let's look up the December 22nd, 2004 box office. I I, I think it is. Maybe. Is it? It's probably probably National Treasure, but just give me a sec. Oh, there's Uh, a few of these on this. No, it's not. It's the Polar Express. Interesting. No, that was the that was the that was the daily. No, the Polar Express is on the list somewhere else. Sorry, I've just spoiled myself with the whole. Yeah, right, right. I just looked at the whole. You list. know all these anyway. I think it's, I, I think it's probably National Treasure. Is National Treasure on it below below it anywhere? Uh, yeah, at eleven. Oh, it is. So it's not National Treasure. It's a new film this week. So it was the twenty fourth of December. So release. it's the Phantom of the Opera. I'd say. It must be the Phantom nope. of the Opera. A very long. Document a tenth. A very long engagement. Well, I won't know. Apart from, could be. But no, a very not... long engagement is there. <laughs> Let's just skip it and pretend you didn't. Yeah, okay. Let's just pretend you didn't see anything. This is film that made ten million opening weekend on the twenty fourth of December two thousand and four. Is Ocean Twelve on there? Yeah, that's there. We just spoiled half of it. All right, let's. Uh, who knows what it is? Next up is another Denzel. Uh, Battle Fire? No. Uh, the Venturi Candidate? No. I think this is a Denzel. I hope it is. 
It's not if it's not one of those. What am I confused? It, it's, it's. I don't think there's another Denzel from 2004. Oh, sorry. I'm. I'm. Got this completely wrong. Is it? What is it? Is it DiCaprio? Oh, the Aviator. The Aviator. This is the Scorsese. Yeah. About Howard Hawks. Yes. What did you think it was? Howard Hughes. Not Howard. Is there Hawks. not a Denzel airplane movie from this flight? 2012. Yeah. The I Aviator know. is. Yeah. Kate Blanchett plays Captain Hepburn. Oh, cool. Alec Baldwin, Dular, Kate Beckinsale, yeah. John C. Reilly, John C. Reilly yeah. Alan Alda. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Danny Houston, Houston. We're gonna fucking watch that soon. I haven't seen Alec it. Baldwin, Jude Law, Willem Dafoe, Adam Scott. <laughs> Literally the boys. Excuse me. Literally the boys. Excuse me. Excuse me, Adam Scott. Jesus Christ. Fair play to him. Fair play to him. Wow. That's a that's a cool cast. It's Mr. Scorsese. Mr. Scorsese, indeed. Okay. Uh, next up is the boys. Ocean's Twelve. Yeah. Hello, the best one. You know what? I I need to rewatch those films. I haven't seen them oh, in years. Bangers. They're so easy to watch. Maybe the twelve, like ninety minutes. Maybe so. the second one isn't the best one. Oh, I thought the third one was your favorite. No, second one's my favorite because it has the, the Bruce, is... Bruce Willis stuff. Oh yeah. Like I don't really have an opinion on them, but my or like I don't. Really I, have a I always found you have a my take. You is... always find the second one is the worst. I if always they make love the third a trilogy. One. You love the third. I one. I always love the third one. That yeah. generally is the least popular. I love the third Pirates, the third Spider Man, the third Transformers. It's probably because they like. Have used up everything from the first two. And they they to, can't do it again. They do something different. Little yeah. little fuckers, another example. Little fuckers, yeah. Uh, yeah, I like Ocean's Twelve slightly more because I think the whole Julia Roberts Bruce Willis thing is really fun. Yes, yeah, the European one. But if I go back and watch it again, I might not feel that way. Anyway, continue. They're all good. I watched continue. them all two years ago. Yeah. one after the other. Watch them again soon. This is a great box office. We have a lot of. We got a, we got a Sandler in here. Uh, late two thousand four. Mm. This is in week. Two only. Didn't seem to make a Sandler at the end of 2004. Uh, uh, Spanglish? Yeah. Oh, well, that's a terrible film. Yeah. We're never doing that on the podcast. This, this is, could have been collateral. Spanglish was trying to win fucking Best Picture. That's the thing. Yeah, strange. Oscar bait, yeah. Is it a comedy? It's a James L. Brooks movie, so it's in the vein of As Good As It Gets and okay. his films. Right. Sentimental, mawkish comedy drama. Boring. Uh, we had another blank one before that. Before that was the Polar Express. Yeah. So oh, that age. Love Polar Express. The Life Aquatic of Steve Zizou. Wes Anderson. Good stuff. Mm-hmm. Doing well. What a great time for I cinema. I didn't think that would be that high. That was his first or second film? Oh, no. No? Fourth or fifth. Oh, sorry. This is post Tenet Bombs. And- yeah, 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 yeah. Never mind. Never mind. Third or fourth. Uh, then we got our boys, N.T., National Treasure, yeah, great film. Phantom of the Opera's there, Blade Trinity. Not so great. Christmas with the Cranks. Oh, not good. The Incredibles. Of course, The Incredibles. SpongeBob SquarePants movie. Fucking what a time. What a fucking great time to be alive. Uh, Genuinely phenomenal. A lot of other stuff I recognize in there. Oh my uh, God. But yeah. What a time to be alive. I just can't believe there was a period in time where you could go to the cinema and you could see National Treasure, The Incredibles, A Series of Unfortunate Events, or the SpongeBob SquarePants movie. I think that's why we that's are incredible. the greatest generation coming along. Because we had those films. Yeah. We hit we hit that sweet spot. I of saw all of those in the age. cinema. Yeah. What a fucking great time. And fucking Shark Tale was just before them as well. And Shrek 2 was that year. And the people who grew up five years before us <sighs> don't get it. The, no. the new kids don't get it. It's awful. We're uh, Awful, awful, awful. Yeah. Little Fockers comes little, out little, little six fuckers. years later in 2010. Little Fockers is... This is the one I've seen the most. It's released six years to the day later. December 22nd, 2010. Okay. Um, and it is weirdly kind of, uh, kind of a small scale film. The budget of Little Fockers is $100 million. 
Excuse me. And it is directed by Paul Weitz, who is the the brother of Chris Weitz. They are both filmmakers. Chris Weitz is a frequent guest on Blank Check Podcast. He's a lovely guy. He made Twilight New Moon and oh, Golden Compass go. and stuff. I really like him. And he made American... One of them made American Pie. I can never remember which one. Uh, Paul directed American Pie. So Paul did right. American Pie about a boy in good company. Cirque du Freak, the Vampire's Assistant, the Darren Shan movie with John C. Riley. And immediately after that, he does Little Fockers. Mm-hmm. Crazy. He's made loads of movies since, actually. Um, so obviously, Jay Roach was uninterested or unavailable, and they get a and they get they get Paul White's in. Um, so DreamWorks were kind of fucked by the point in time this came out. So this was released by Paramount Pictures. Dustin Hoffman failed to reach salary terms with the studio until principal photography had wrapped. As a result, his role in the film is significantly smaller than in the previous entry. They had to shoot all of his stuff at the last minute and mm-hmm. add it in because he was throwing a tantrum while they were filming. Um, Dustin Hoffman wouldn't be like him to be difficult to work with. No, no, not at all. Um, The film was pushed back from July to December um, because they needed to film Dustin Hoffman's stuff. Jesus, they actually delayed the film for his sake. Um, I mean, that's bad. He must have been a big draw. So they filmed all of his stuff in August. Um, but they put the trailer out in June <laughs> uh, before Grown Ups and Dinner for Schmucks. Interesting. Um, fascinating. Um, so the film has a Rotten Tomatoes rating. I know we don't always talk about this, but it does have a Rotten Tomatoes rating of 9%, which is pretty, pretty extraordinary. Um, it got a B minus cinema score. That's pretty rough. Pretty bad for uh, the sequel to a half a billion dollar film. Um, it is Barbara Streisand's lowest rated film ever. On Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic, it's not that bad. It's it's not that bad. I think it's, it's fine. Okay, um, I, I just want to read out friend of the show Brendan's review. Is okay. he friend of the show? Uh, no, he's an enemy of the show. Okay, enemy of the show. Enemy Brendan. Of the state enemy of the show. Yeah, because he clearly misunderstands this film with this review. Oh yeah, totally built on misunderstandings that are far more frustrating than entertaining. No, I don't think so. Yeah, but I feel like that's the whole point. They're well, like maybe, frustrating but... misunderstandings. I don't think that they're frust- more frustrating than entertaining. I think they're pretty entertaining misunderstandings. Yeah. I think the Jessica Alba character does add something new to the mix. Um, Jessica Alba, who I agree. The... It shifts the dynamic from Pam yeah. wanting to get back with... Not wanting to get back, but like... Yeah. The wife is the insecure one here. Yeah, um, which is at least a new element. Like, yeah. Um... Do you think if they made a third one like two years after the second one in the same vein as the first two, it would have like... It'd be fucking snooze. It would have made more yeah. money, but it'd be boring. Yeah. Uh, Jessica Alba won the Razzie for Worst Supporting Actress of this film. Barbara Streisand. Barbara Streisand was also nominated. Uh, none of the men were nominated because the Razzie um, hates women. Um, this film... Why Why did everyone hate this so much? Like, did was the first two... Were the first two, like, critically... Not critically acclaimed, but were they, like... No, they weren't. The second one was also a rotten on Rotten Tomatoes. I think oh. that this one... So people don't think these were good? No, not really. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. I think the first one they do. I think the sequels are... More yeah, scorned. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, here's some people who are in this movie. Uh, Laura Dern. Laura Dern. We've never had a Laura Dern performance on this podcast before. She's doing her marriage story. She's doing her marriage story character. (laughs) Uptight, rich lady. She runs a private school. Sorry, which one has rock and roll part two in it? We didn't discuss that. 
Oh, God. One of these movies has Rock and Roll Part 2 by Gary Glitter in it. Which I is, think it's the second one because when we I discussed it, it was one. like, this is De Niro's highest grossing. Yeah, yeah and, and, like, no, no, and it is, it is, um, what's the, oh, sorry, Meet the Fockers Guys is the second highest grossing film Robert De Niro has ever made after Joker. Yeah. Just, just dwell on that. Until 2019, it was his So you can see why film. he came back for a third one. Yeah, yeah. But like, I'm sure the, the 100 million budget is because everyone got paid 10 million. Like, yes. Or more. But, um. The opening credits scene of Ben Stiller's movie Reality Bites is is Rock and Roll Part Two. It's weird they would use it again in this a few years later. What's the context again? I can't remember. Uh, there's a fucking montage or some sports or something. I don't know. Oh, um, they play football. They play yeah, football. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Kevin Hart is in this as another male nurse. Um, Tom the, McCarthy the, comes the back. The opening scene of this film is performing an enema. It is indeed. Yes, it is. Uh, Jordan Peele is in this movie. He is uh, Oscar-winning screenwriter Jordan Peele. Uh, Harvey Keitel is in this movie as like a cowboy builder, construction cowboy builder guy. Yeah. Weird that he's in it. Weird role um, for him. Very yeah. weird. Small role for him. Uh, he takes roles like that. It's odd. De Niro would never show up at someone else's movie in a small role, but no. Keitel does. I mean, Keitel is not at De Niro's level, but uh, he just likes hanging out. Yeah, Yul Vasquez, an actor I love, is in this. Um, who is in uh, Severance and and uh, Noah Bushnell's Last I never saw him in it. I never saw his face in it. Plays a guy called Junior. I don't know. And uh, Rob Hubel is the guy from Children's Hospital, I was saying, popped yeah. up. Uh, John DiMaggio is in it. And uh, Nick Kroll. And Deepak Chopra plays himself in a mm-hmm. fun cameo. Uh, one funny thing we forgot to mention about the second one is yeah. they find a young boy that looks just like Penn Stiller. They do. <laughs> they He's very good. There's a twist. Yes, there's a thing in the second one where De Niro becomes convinced that... Um, that Ben Stiller that, fathered a child with his uh, nanny, his nanny when he, he was lost like virginity too, which is a, eighteen which is or nineteen on the yeah. record fact. So De Niro meets this kid who's like a, a Latino Ben Stiller lookalike teenager, and yeah. he's like, "This must be his kid." And the kid is is played by a guy called Ray Santiago. Um, they're really getting to look like him. They, they really, must be fake eyebrows. They must be fake eyebrows or teeth or something because yeah. he looks exactly like him, and it's a very good gag. And then it turns out that his father is in fact a Florida baseball player weird baseball player yeah. called Rusty Fences or something Rusty something <laughs> Rusty Bridges maybe. Rusty Bridges there you go Rusty yeah. Bridges uh, which is a really good joke uh, so yeah um, and that is Little Fockers yes, and the, yeah that's basically it I have nothing else to say about it yeah he's a he's a Viagra salesman now yeah so there's a lot of erection jokes yeah. so many uh, every second joke in this is about the Godfather. Nero takes the erection pills. He gets an Jessica erection. Alba takes the erection yeah, pills. Yeah, Jessica Alba commits an act of sexual assault. Um, ha ha ha. Uh, a lot of that kind of stuff in this mm. one. Uh, and there's just like, yeah, it's really reaching. It's reaching for jokes. They're not. They're not coming easily to it. They do a good thing of cutting this to like 85 minutes compared 98 to the... 98. 98. But the, previ- the previous one is basically two hours. Yeah, so. and that f- you felt it. Yeah. Now, what's funny about this film is I would have sworn to God that this made like no money. This made $310 million, So this was a huge hit. <laughs> like not as big a hit as the second one, but a, a huge hit. Yeah, uh, if that made that money today, you'd be... You'd be losing your shit. Like, yeah. Nothing makes that money now. How much should um, Free Guy make? Uh... Well, I will tell you, Free Guy. I feel like that was like the biggest comedy of that. It given was. Year. It was. Free Guy made three hundred and thirty-one million, and this made three hundred and ten. Okay. So Free Guy did better than this, to be fair. But Free Guy is like a massive special effects thing. Sure. With like five big stars. Uh, you gonna want to get that box office up? 
Uh, yeah. This movie is Christmas 2010, which is a bit of a wonky Christmas because the previous Christmas was Avatar. So people are kind of still a bit high on Avatar, and I feel like people are desperately grasping in 2010 for an Avatar repeat. Mm-hmm. They're like, well, come on, now we need a massive movie every Christmas. We just got fucking Avatar. Give us something. Give us something huge. And December 2010 just cannot live up to that. So there's one big sci-fi movie out. That we yes, I see it here now. That no. was pitched as the new Avatar, and it is certainly far too weird to be that. So tell me. Oh, actually, I don't know. There's two here, actually, that could be. Okay. Well, does this open number two or number three? This opens number one. This opens number one. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Second one is. So this did well. Okay. I did not know this film existed until after it came out on DVD. I'm almost sure. And were you aware of the other ones before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like I'd seen Meet the Fuckers okay. before this came out. And when it came out, I was like, I didn't know they made that. Okay, I'm trying to read the review of what's number two. Okay. My review. Yeah. Yeah. I'll read the end of it because it doesn't give away a no title time. or whatever. The silly characters we meet at the start are all great. But when it's just the two of the three main guys, it slows down a lot. Great ending. I really wish I had liked it more, but I guess they can't all hit the spot. I guess it's True Grit. This is True Grit. That's number two. Wow. Fair play. That's a really big financial success for the Coen brothers to be number two at the Christmas box office. Yeah? Yeah. True Grit's decent. It could be better, though, as my review says. I only watched it a few months ago. Jeff B. Haley S. Matty D. Matty D. Josh B. We watched Hail Caesar recently in Josh Brolin. Is Josh Brolin is a fucking honk shoe of a human being. Honk snooze. You know what he's good in, though? He's good in Dune. He's good in Dune. Is he good in Dune? He's good in Dune. Fair enough. He plays, like, the, like, fighting coach. Okay. The, like, warrior trainer. Guy. I'll get on the Dune buzz soon, I think. You gotta get on the Dune buzz soon. Um, Speaking of Dune, here's a film that's not called Dune. Okay. Trod Legacy? Yeah. There you go. They really wanted that to be the new Avatar. Because it was blue. Is that what you're referring to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. You know who directed that? Joseph Kaczynski. Yeah, the Top Gun, of Top Gun Maverick. Uh, that film is not t- terrible, but it's... Oh, Jeff Bridges is the leader of this as well. He's in a, two roles in it, yeah. So he had this and True Grit, Top of the Box Office. Yeah. He should have shown up in Little, Far- in Little yeah, Farkas. He, uh, he could have done the Harvey Cartel. But... Yeah, Tron Legacy is, uh, is a tough one. Uh, the main problem with it is that Garrett... Uh, Garrett Hedlund and Olivia Wilde are like terrible leads. Um, uh, they got Garrett Hedlund in to do the Sam Worthington. Yeah, they did exactly. Um, but thing. Jeff Bridges is fun in it, and Daft Punk did the music for it. Michael Sheen is pretty good in it. I actually don't recognize any of the other names in this. Oh, Michael Sheen, I guess. Yeah. Oh, it's like it's it's set in a fucking computer. So yeah, fair. It's literally set inside a computer. You give it three stars. Yeah, yeah, it's like pretty watchable. Next up. Yeah. This maybe this could fill the the avatar, the avatar void a little bit. Interesting. I'm not sure what you're referring to. Uh, what's, you've what's my star rating? Anything? Twenty ten. Trying to find. It's a really long title, so I have to. It's a really long title. Yeah. What? And I have to get a few words into it to differentiate it from other ones. It's a really long title. Here we go. What the? Okay, you give the three star no review. How long could the title be? Uh, I don't recognize. I recognize one name in this. Oh. Maybe two. What could this be? Can I give you the director? Uh, yeah. Michael Apted. Oh, The Chronicles of Narnia, The Voyage of the Dawn Treader. Yes. 
Uh, yeah. See, I had to get all the way past the word Narnia to sure. get into <laughs> Fair the enough. correct one. Uh, yeah, this one was okay. Um, I remember making my parents go see Tron Legacy instead of this when I finished my Christmas exams. And they were like, no, take us to Narnia. We don't want to see Tron. And they hated Tron. Oh, you wanted to go see Tron? Instead? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, and then we okay. went to see Narnia in January and it was actually pretty I good. I the other way. Well, why would they want to see Tron? So Michael Apted is... So it's so weird, right? So the first two Narnia movies were mm-hmm. done by Disney. And then the, Prince Caspian really under performed so disney were like fuck that we're not doing any more of these they're so expensive so fox were like okay we'll do uh the third one and who do they get to direct it but michael apted who's this like british well-regarded filmmaker who did all these you know documentaries about kids growing up in britain every seven years where he'd check in on them and he's like a bbc stalwart like a yeah. really interesting british director and he, he died a few years ago, but... Had he made... Never, the man had never made a big special effects movie in okay. his life. Brought in to do a Narnia film. It's quite good. I like it. Will well, Narnia is, is kind of like... Very British. Very British. Very kids. Like, yeah. Yeah. But... Um, I can see the... I can see the... Yeah, yeah. The idea behind Will it. Will Poulter is effectively the lead of it. And I quite like it. The Voyage of the Dawn Treader is not my favorite Narnia book, but it's pretty cinematic so yeah mm-hmm. i actually quite like that film i'd watch that again happily if someone put it on for me you have a you have one of the narnia dvds lying around there somewhere where you watching it oh, those are the bbc versions from the from the 70s oh, 80s okay. yeah they're good Interesting. uh i think that voyage of the dawn treader is the best of the three modern narnia films, i've seen the sure. first one yeah i don't like the first one third one is the third one is the best i think michael apted's a good director anyway there you go number five Okay, number five could also be considered like an Avatar oh, replacement. Jesus, I'm getting confused now. Bit, bit more of a just in terms of its kind of setting and the woodlands. Oh, uh, kind of its relationship oh. to nature. Its combination of like oh, the woodlands, nature. It's, it's it's combination of like real people and these kind of where the wild new are? creatures. Uh, new creatures. Yeah, um, like the crossover between two. Two species and how they interact and how they uh, right how they divide their resources and that kind of thing right oh, I don't know um, I'm gonna need some more info there yeah, it's another three star non reviewed film aye, aye, aye. Um, 2010 weird blind spot for November December 2010 I don't know. <laughs> well, can I tell you? Or do you want to keep guessing? No, tell me what you want to tell me. No, it's just the name of the film. I'm oh. I'm doing a bit. Like what is it? It's a Yogi Bear. Oh, <laughs> okay. You were doing a bit. Um, first time I ever hung out with anyone from from secondary school outside of school was when me and uh, somebody yeah, went yeah. to see Yogi Bear, and it was it was okay. T.J. Miller, J.T. Anna Faris, Justin Dan, Timberlake. Dan Aykroyd. Oh, they play Yogi and Boo Boo. Yeah, they're not in it. In it. Oh, sorry. sorry. The, the the human leads are like T.J. Miller, Anna Faris, Ned Codry from the newsroom. Not there from Nate Codry from from Sixty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did it. Distinct face. It's like it's fine. It's actually not that awful. I don't think it's like anywhere near the the dog shit pile of hop and stuff. It does have the great poster where <laughs> good things come with bears. Good things come with bears. I think they made a sequel to this. They did not sadly oh, make okay. a sequel. I know. But I really wanted. Yeah, I, I wanted that pudding. It's ten to eleven now. Documentary filmmaker travels to Jellystone Park. The pudding ain't getting eaten. To shoot a project and soon cross the path with you. Yes, Anna Faris plays the documentary filmmaker. Yeah, and 
Yeah. I enjoy you Yogi Bear. Yogi Bear is an IP I, I enjoy. He's just a bear who lives in the woods and eats food. He's funny. Yeah. Anyway. All right. We're going to call it there. I think we've heard enough films. Yeah. All right, guys. Ah, meet the fuckers. If you're doing nothing for a day, or if you're doing something for a day in the house Watch and you can't leave, leave it on the background. Would they work with Adam Sandler? Yeah. Yeah, sure. They would. Yeah. The things that De Niro would get mad about. Like, as we said, this is just anger management. Sorry. Yes. Anger management just plagiarizes this and inserts... Jack Nicholson. Although the dynamic in those films is very different because Jack Nicholson is the like sleazy womanizer guy and yeah. Sandler is a bit more pent up, so they're actually a bit flipped. But but Sandler plays a more stiller type character at the beginning of Anger Management. He does, yes. But I also think that Jack Nicholson plays a less Dero type character in that film. Yeah. Weirdly. Anyway, I don't know. We are sleepy. Yeah, pudding time. That's what happens when you... What's that pudding going to take 25 minutes to... Oh, fuck that. We'll have yeah. a Cornetto, so... Yeah, we'll do that instead. Okay. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Go get a Cornetto and think about Meet the Fockers. Uh, have some chicanery and some I, in your life. I'm not watching these films ever again. No need. Life is too short. No okay. need. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.